This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Silicon Republic is a great place to read about science and technology from writers like us. And now you can hear what we really think on For Tech's Sake, a co-production from Silicon Republic and the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Elaine Burke. And I'm Jenny Darmody. And together we've been writing about tech for a long time. We've never fallen into the trap of being tech evangelists, but we don't necessarily want to demonise tech with scaremongering clickbait either. Now we mostly take a side-eye view of tech and definitely throw a bit of shade when it's deserved. So if you want to hear us take a look under the hood of both emerging and everyday tech to examine the good parts, the bad parts and everything in between, check out For Tech's Sake on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Tune in and your new robot overlords will thank you for it. Today, in the spookiest month of the year, I'm chatting with someone who I consider to be the Prince of Horror, Peter Dunn. Welcome. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) Peter is a creator and writer of theatre, live experiences, the underground film Night Morb, and the award-winning podcasts, the horror anthology Petrified, and the Not Just For Kids, Spooky FM. So... Peter, award-winning podcast. Now, this happened recently. Tell me all about it. Uh, well, yeah. So we won. Uh, so with the recent Irish Podcast Awards, we got silver for Petrified for the fiction podcast and then bronze for Spooky FM for the family podcast. But then we also won a New York Radio Award for drama. It's very long-winded for Petrified about two years ago as well. Okay, wow. And then the morning after the awards, you were in London. Yeah, so we uh, we flew straight. Well, we didn't fly straight into the podcast. That was ridiculous. No, the next morning we flew to London to do the uh, London Podcast Festival where we did a live version of Petrified in front of an audience, which was, I'd say, scarier for us than it was for <laughs> the people watching. And so how was it received? <laughs> It seemed to go really well, yeah. Um, it was one of those things where like, I had to do sound on the night as well, so I was more so in my own head, just going, oh, I'm not going to miss this cue, I'm not going to miss <laughs> this cue. So I wasn't really in the room <laughs> mentally. But then afterwards, we did like a little Q&A thing, and that seemed to go really well. And then people were saying like that the Q&A was just as good as the episode. Whether that means it was a bad episode <laughs> and an average Q&A, we'll... Have yet to be found out. Well, they all <laughs> stayed, right? <laughs> Just it. Yeah, we had the bar against the door. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> and so, um, it's a, it's a different story every episode mm-hmm. for Petrified. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how do you come up with different stories? It can depend on stuff like uh, something that we really want to do with Petrified was make it very Irish because we're going what's our mm-hmm. USP, and so it would be like kind of Irish horror. That's what what would set us apart. So I make sure to use like kind of things that. Maybe Ireland would be famous for so like there's an episode about like do you remember like the moving statues phenomenon in Ireland and stuff like that okay. and then um there's one about uh, the kind of 
um, waning powers of the Catholic Church and stuff like mm. this, which which sounds a lot heavier than it is. Like the, the waning power of the Catholic Church was that nuns would get eaten by a monster, so it's not as heavy okay, as you so think. It's based on real events. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure people hope it was based <laughs> on real events. Um, and then, uh, and there would be stuff about, um, oh, let's see what other, yeah, kind of, we, we try and set it in like kind of, because something that's kind of cool about Ireland is that we're still very superstitious mm-hmm. and we're still very um, connected with nature and stuff like that. So I think uh, that's a good thing to be basing it on. But yeah. um, but yeah, but then other ideas can come from different things like um, it can literally be something like I, I like thinking of where's where's remote where's where feels creepy so there was an episode that was like set and it was um th- about the last man our sorry the last man's lighthouse in ireland and the day before it changed over to digital so there's oh one like that wow. like you know where are you going to be remote and you'd be remote in the lighthouse and then like um there's another one about a radio station um that's going to it's it like the the midnight call-in show and like this remote remote radio station in the country so i kind of try and think of things that would creep me out but also i like to set myself challenges mm-hmm. so how are you going to do a horror story about moving statues um without it being too corny how are you going to do um a horror story about working in because uh, there's one grove network solutions which is about somebody who works in um you know those call centers where you ring when you have a problem with your phone so how yeah. could you set one there so um I like to, and then even for the live podcast one, I like to try and set myself challenges. So the live episode um, that happened in the London Podcast Festival is about two women hosting a live podcast episode in front of an audience. <laughs> okay. So we were able to actually use the audience in the episode as well. Yeah. Um, without them knowing, but I won't give too much away because okay. that wasn't the idea. Yeah. Uh, will will we will that go out through your podcast or how will that one? Yeah. So that, that will go out. Yeah, so that'll go out. Um, so we're hoping to get this new series c- uh, in late November, kind of early December, because I've written a kind of Christmas episode, so it'd be good okay. to have a it spooky Christmas episode. Spooky Christmas. Well, we did another one about um, the uh, three lads doing the twelve pubs of Christmas. Oh yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And so you uh, you direct the episodes yourself, and uh, do you take like a Stanley Kubrick approach because didn't somebody lose their voice at one yeah, point? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, no, it's really easy and then I forgot that somebody didn't lose their voice. So there was an episode where um, uh, an actress, Michelle McMahon, played a blind woman whose home is invaded and so um, she was screaming that much that she said she tore something in her throat. Oh, yeah. But like, yeah. But see, the, the way I kind of direct <laughs> is like I don't look at the actors. Like, so I'm, I'm literally kind of looking at my lap or something or looking at the ground because I just have to know what it sounds like so you know i'd even kind of apologize to the actors advance and go i'm not here to help you build up your character to think <laughs> your backstory i know what it sounds like and let's go with that yeah so when michelle was kind of you know doing all this emoting i was going yeah but the scream doesn't sound quite right so <laughs> <laughs> i'm not i'm not hearing the terror yeah 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 you don't sound <laughs> blind <laughs> be more blind yeah <laughs> So I know you a long time, mm. and for as long as I've known you, you've been um, you, you, all about horror and Stephen King, and you always had a book in your bag, you're always reading like scary stories, but when did it start for you? Like, did you come out of the womb going, boo? <laughs> well, I think I was kind of lucky to have, um, uh, I was going to say inattentive parents, but that sounds terrible. <laughs> but like, the, the, my 
like my parents would let us watch anything mm. like which was terrible like you know i think we ended up like oh it's a little bit warped but if we didn't it wouldn't have made us the people we are today like i remember even um when i was younger i really want because uh, i was always a big film buff when i was small and i was like in only about like seven or eight and so everyone like was talking about like uh, my mom's friends and i were talking about like um fatal attraction mm-hmm. and so i was going oh, i want to see fatal attraction <laughs> but like not realizing the reason why everyone wants to watch it because it was kind of filthy i just yeah. thought it was going to be this murder thing so in the end my mom got it out in video and so it just kind of goes to show the way her mind worked so she she fast forwarded through all the sexy bits but showed me all the killings <laughs> all the violent bits like the rabbit and the roller coaster and all and so when we went to school the next day you know you wrote your news and so Uh-oh. she said what did everyone do la-? and i said last night i watched fatal attraction <laughs> <laughs> and the teacher said, what kind of sicko would let you watch that? And I said, mm, my mom. <laughs> so so we would be allowed to kind of watch stuff. And then I had a cousin from Canada. And, you know, when he came over, he was older. And, like, he had, like, Evil Dead on video and stuff like this. So we would have watched a lot of stuff. And then my granddad was a real fan of things like Hammer Horror and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so um, I was a bit of a weird kid. I haven't probably changed too much. But um, so I wouldn't have been quite very social so i used to watch all these uh horror films with my granddad and so it kind of felt like a real safe place like you'd be watching these creepy things with him Mm. and so when he passed away i would watch horror films to remind me of him but then because of associations it kind of became that i actually got comforted by watching horror films so if i was having like a down day or just was feeling a bit sad i put on something spooky and so that was it and then even um, the first kind of grown-up book I ever read when I was, I think I was eight or nine or something, was The Exorcist, which, <laughs> you know, but like, which you probably shouldn't be reading that age. But uh, even at that, like, you know, it made me even a better reader because I was going, what does, well, it'd be like kind of dirty things, like, what does Kundalingus mean? <laughs> but now, <laughs> now I made that up. I don't know if it was that word. But there would be some stuff that, like, I'd be going, I don't know what that means. So, like, reading kind of these grown-up horror books actually made me a better reader because I'd go, I don't know what this means so well. Look it up. Look it up, yeah. So it's kind of... uh, And then even just, you know, growing up with younger brothers and sisters, like Halloween was always such a big thing, and so I'd go all out. Like, you know, um, I remember there was even this time where uh, we pretended that um, me and Anna's back garden was getting dug up and we found this suitcase. And when they opened the suitcase, it was like... um, two orphans that had died in the house and so the people who uh, had adopted them decided to get rid of any evidence that they'd ever existed in case they'd be blamed for the murder so they buried the suitcase out the back and so when we opened it and there was all like these little clues and all but like we went all it like we made like a video and my nana was like sitting up in bed with like a veil over <laughs> her face like pretending to be this uh, mysterious presence but like even when she was doing the video it was like this is just you know an old woman from Bally Fairmont and like she was kind of like doing all this uh you know, all this emoting and like kind of talking about like ghosts. And then at the end, she just goes, I'm not sure what I have to <laughs> say now. <laughs> so it was Classic. always just, it's always kind of just uh, the horror thing I always associate with fun and family. family and yeah. so, and that's why it's kind of stuck with me, you know. And like, so what scares you? Do like, because as you said, you get comfort from them. Mm. Um, are there things that you watch or read that scare you? Yeah, and I love it when it happens because it can be so rare that it that um and that's not to kind of say like oh nothing scares me because it does, but just because you watch so much, you get used to. Uh, I watch so much and I read so much and you get used to the same things. But like um, there can be stuff that creeps me, out and I love sometimes when I'm watching something, and 
I'm kind of going, and I get this moment of like, why am I watching this? It's frightening. Mm. But I love that because it's so rare. So it can be different things. Like it could be this the silliest little thing. Like it could be, um, ju- it could be like some little B movie. And next while you jump the height of yourself. Like you know, there's there's so much kind of hidden gold in film and books. And, and like, and even just kind of, and and you said Stephen King, but like there were even two Stephen King books that made me jump while I was reading them. Wow. And so that's incredible you know what i mean and and also a credit to your imagination because well they do say that about horror they say like the 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 best thing about horror is to kind of leave a space for people to fill it in for themselves Mm. because nothing that's something nothing that somebody presents to you is going to be scarier than what you um make up in your own head um so there's a brilliant i think it's 1963 film called the haunting um robert wise and it's about these uh kind of psychic investigators and like these people that have experience with ghosts and they're brought together in this big house um but you never kind of actually see anything it's all these like you hear banging and then the door bulges and like there's mm. implied stuff and it's really frightening but you never kind of see anything yeah and i remember the the to bring them up again uh, stephen king said something i might be paraphrasing here but he said you know when you're watching something and somebody's approaching the door and you know there's something behind the door and so you're watching it and your heart is beating uh harder and harder and then they open the door and it's like a 10 foot spider <laughs> and everybody screams but then in your head go- you're going oh i thought it was going to be a 50 foot spider yeah so like it's it, y- it the scariest thing is what you're going to make up yourself yeah mm. and so you're a writer also when did you start writing uh i always used to write little bits and then it was it was only through uh so Georgina and I are friends through Dublin Youth Theatre. That's right. So it was only through DYT, like that started kind of, when you're in DYT, you, you write your own one acts. And it was just through that, like I was kind of writing scripts and stuff like that and caught the bug. But even in like, you know, I was one of those uh, kids that loved English. Like, you know, when they said you have to write an essay about like what you did in your summer holidays. Well, you know, the things I <laughs> supposedly did in my summer holidays involved, like, you know, creatures getting strapped to your back and crawling through caves, which wasn't true. So, but I loved all that kind of stuff, like making up. Were know. teachers ever worried for you because of the stories you came up with? Uh, well, it was, I don't, well, that teacher that I don't know how much fatal attraction, but I was always, um, yeah, I would have kind of been considered a bit of a weirdo when I was a kid. Okay. Which is probably not wrong. It's definitely worked in your be- in your yeah, favor yeah. <laughs> um so dyt so you wrote plays for dyt and and yeah and then just through that and then like uh my first kind of non-dyt one was actually for you georgina so <laughs> did a play with uh georgina and an actress called uh jacinta Shear. i was gonna say an actress called georgina McEver, which is you <laughs> that's me and jacinta Shear and, and um yes before color that was in Bewley's. and that was it because i hadn't kind of written in a long 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 time and then just kind of writing for uh you two uh not you two the band you two <laughs> the actors but like um it was reminding me how much i loved writing and then from that you know my next one i, I wrote a play called broadening and then just kind of the process i was remembering how much i loved writing but then also it was kind of rem- reminding me how my mind works so like I always like to set myself challenges. So, like, even just say, um, broadening was written out of sync. So, you know, at the beginning you're seeing the 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 middle, and then the next scene is the fourth scene, and then the next scene is the sixth scene. So, like, when you're an audience member, you have to kind of piece it together and go, oh, hold on, what am I watching here? And then the very last scene is 
the opening scene. So like I okay. kind of like I like challenging myself with the with the kind of writing and the stuff that I do. The thing that I find most interesting is to set myself a challenge that I don't know how I'm going to get out of. Okay. Um, and just seeing where I can go. Um, but yeah, because even like now, as far as I know, this might be true, but I don't know if it is true. But as far as I know, but like with the Bram Stoker Festival, I did the first ghost story to take place completely on Instagram. Okay. So I was going. So how do I? Because I was. G- I had this idea of like um, you know, young people who like just basically document their life and put everything up. Mm. But then I was going. Well, what would these young people do if they were haunted? Would they keep documenting it? So I set up three Instagram accounts. Uh, I got three young actors yep. and then set up three Instagram accounts. And then over like the course of a weekend, like hung around with these uh, brilliant young actors and we took like a crap load of photographs and like kind of <laughs> set stuff up. And then um, over the course of uh, a week or so with the Bram Stoker Festival, I basically updated them like Instagram accounts, but like I had them all talking to each other. Yeah. But it was me doing everything like somebody sending a comment in here, comment in here. But then like, how can you tell a story completely true Instagram and have it have a logical beginning, middle and end. But then it was kind of creepy at the same time because you would be getting DMs from people thinking that they're talking to a 17 year old girl. And okay. it's actually me, which was creepy because I was going if, if I give it away too soon, it's going to ruin the experience because yeah. I was going I would now obviously you know, it didn't work to that degree, but I was going I'd love if there was possibly at the beginning of it, somebody out there going, is this thing real? You know, so. um, But. Yeah, but it was kind of really creepy that people thought they were talking to kids and they were really talking to me. So yeah, it's, it's creepy in yeah. many ways because <laughs> I'm like, wow, you'd be really good at catfishing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> and, and as you just said, like people thinking they're interacting with young people. So, I mean, you were getting instant feedback from mm. those people who were de- uh, DMing you. Mm. And what was the overall feedback? Well, as it went on, it got full on. Like, you know, things weren't implied. It got full on ghost story. It got full yeah. on kind of, you know, they all died live on Instagram and oh stuff wow. like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate <laughs> for kids, but uh, but th- but people really enjoyed it. And so the the thing that um, the thing that kind of made it fulfilling for me was, um, people were saying it, it felt like a story. It didn't just <coughs> excuse me. It didn't just feel like a collection of photographs. People were following a story as it progressed. Yeah, and that was really interesting because how can you? It's another way of telling a story through images and true photos you know what and I mean? I mean as you said you like to ch- challenge yeah. yourself that's quite a huge challenge to take on to do three different people and to um be constantly improv in, in terms of well you know where the story's going but yeah. the interactions you have to be on yeah. your toes and trying to sound like a child well not mm. i keep saying child they're not kids they're like they're teenagers like they're all um, they're a little older now but like and then i did another thing where um uh, it was this is how I met Liam Garrison, who's my podcast partner. But we did a thing called Eerie, and basically what that was, it was a audio tour around Dublin. Yeah. But what it was is, um, I kind of was thinking I would love to make this fake audio ghost tour where people are led around Dublin, but none of the stories are true because I was ago I was imagining tourists coming over and doing this audio tour and then going back to their home countries. And this kind of, um, what do you call it? Uh, oh, I can't think of the word. Uh, urban legend, that's it. What? It's like these kind of urban legends that they're telling people. And in this location, such and such happened. Mm. And, such and none of it would be true. <laughs> but then what I also wanted to do was, what the person finds out at the end is, 
um, that the route that they have followed around town, they've actually walked the shape of a runic symbol that has cursed them because okay. they've walked that wow. shape. Wow. Um, but then deep. even with that, um, so it was telling you exactly where to go. So I had to like time things exactly. So I'm going, if you're going from this location to this location, you've what, two and a half minutes to get you from there to there. So let's make up a story that lasts for two and a half minutes. Yeah. So I literally would walk the same route again and again and again and timing myself and timing myself and timing myself. And then when we were making the uh, audio tour, I had to make sure that my writing fit into this exact amount of time so you wouldn't get people kind of overshotting the direction where they're supposed to go or, you know, only being a part of the way there and then everything ends. So that was kind of... When I think back now, it seems like like a, a maybe a mind-blowing amount of work, but at the time I was just like, now this is the challenge I've set myself, I have to do it. It's kind of mathematical in a way. Yeah. Like, yeah. get from A to B, do this, do yeah. this. But uh, and then even before you get the actors in, like, you know, I would be performing everything at home and timing myself on the phone. I was going, okay, well, I'll have to cut three lines like that to, to kind of get it down. And then even when we were recording um, with the actors, I would be, like, looking at the clock and I'd be going... Because <laughs> it would need to be close enough to exact timing. Yeah. And so um, how long did that project last? How long was that running? That was just, that ran for, it was in uh, Association with Smack Alley Theatre. And that ran maybe around a month. And so people would go to Smack Alley. They don't, they'd download the thing. And then they'd actually set, and then like, um, because they were starting at Smack Alley, I even made like a fake ghost story about Smack Alley. <laughs> so, you know, people might think that's true, but like, yeah. you know. So, um, uh, but it was great crack, and it was through that I met Liam Garrity, who is the best collaborator in the whole world. But like, he, he's the one that we've done so many kind of radio shows and podcasts, and even another audio tour, um, a couple of days later. But like, yeah, it was it was all through trying to set myself a challenge and seeing could I pull it off. And with Liam, you also did Spooky FM. Yeah, Spooky FM. That's the one for kids. We also did um. A radio show for RT Junior called The Living Library, which is kind of like a maybe a horrible histories type thing about like Irish myths and legends. And we did another audio tour called Bram that was for the Bram Stoker Festival and which was kind of meta. And it was about you think you're listening to a podcast, but it's actually or you think you're listening to an audio tour, but it's actually a trap. It's three vampires getting you to go to a certain place so they can feed on you. But then it also turns out that they have um Bram Stoker in a cage. So they actually turned him into a vampire in the 1800s okay. and they've kept him in this house uh, while they're recording these audio shows. Oh, yeah. wow. So do you you hear people's reactions to what's going on around them? Uh, d- do you mean like the they people going on the tour? Yeah. Well, like, people would comment kind of thing, but like it was very nicely satisfying that around that time, because um, there were there were certain locations that, you know, that people would have to sit for a little while to li- listen to a particular ghost story. And it was very satisfying kind of walking past it and f- seeing people sitting in those places for like a little bit of time and, you're, and going, I know where they're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Deadly. Yeah. Did you ever get the order to just run up to them and go, boom? Um, no, I didn't <laughs> want to ruin my own work. <laughs> so as we're sitting here, you're wearing a T-shirt with the birds on it and you are a horror movie buff yeah. and again challenging yourself always creating new things you created uh morb which yeah. is an underground film night tell us about that so uh i was kind of inspired by the midnight movie scene um you know in the 70s in the u.s where they'd show 
things like you know people killing girls on top of stuff like that and so um I would read about this stuff and I'd go, God, I'd, I'd love if that had been available for me or around for me. And so um, what I was thinking was, how can you make a film experience, especially because it was all horror, how can you make, oh, so, so Morb is the name kind of of the night that also became my production company. So it comes from uh, a book called Flickr. And it was about this group of people that were trying to bring about the end of the world through film. And one of the films was called Morb. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got that from. So I was going, how can you make a filmic experience scarier for people? Um, so what I would do is I would get people to meet in a certain location. And then I would bring them to an unusual location to watch a film that they didn't know what the film was going to be. So already they're going somewhere they don't know. Um, they don't know what they're watching. So even before they, when they got there, there was such a big sense of anticipation or a big sense of anxiety that know it was all gravy from now on in like they're going to be terrified anyway but like we're really uh lucky we um one of the things we did was like in a uh disused nunnery another one was in an attic um there was one where we did in this art space but every single thing in this art space was painted white like radios things like that uh, plant pots alarm clocks everything was just white 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 um and so so yeah and then just kind of watching See, I kind of get this weird, like, this is probably kind of a bit weird, but I get a kick out of watching people watching stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> there was one, um, there was one film in particular um, uh, uh, um, that, because I'd watched them at home before I would watch it, I'd know where all the big scenes would be, and yeah. so I'd be sitting on the front, and I'd slyly kind of turn <laughs> back around, <laughs> waiting for that moment to see people's reactions, and there were some incredible ones. Like one, remember one fellow was saying, um, got it, he said it really showed me the man I was, he said, when um, when there was a big jump scare, and I pushed my girlfriend in front of me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people who will go to these scary things and just walk through and not find it scary mm. and i went to one of your events and i believe it was uh rec oh yeah right and that was in yeah. the attic yeah. and uh i'm not a jumpy person but i definitely jumped and screamed <laughs> at the same time so but i think it is just the you know you have to build up the um because if you think if you go to the cinema <coughs> you know you're kind of in the safe space it's going to be the same thing there's probably going to be people talking behind you eating popcorn stuff yeah. like that so it's hard to sometimes suspend do you suspend belief or suspend disbelief? Which I, I can't remember which one. But it's hard to suspend whatever you suspend. <laughs> but with something like this, because you're you're building up yeah. the feeling already, mm -hmm. then you're sitting down and you're already kind of going, Ooh, you know, that lovely little feeling. So, yeah, it, it just makes it more effective. Yeah. And do you think that that's something that might come around again? That you might... Yeah, I hope... Uh, I would love to. The thing is now, because everything is so... You know, b back when I was doing before, like... Um, films weren't as so easily accessible like everything is streaming now so right. the, the likelihood of finding something that a large group of people haven't seen yeah. would be tough because you know things are as much as things hit the cinema now they also hit streaming just at the same time so mm. it's hard to get like an advanced screening of something um so yeah just kind of modern streaming technology is Excuse me, put a bit of a dampener on it for now, but I'll I'll think of a way around it. Yeah. So I guess, that, like in a way, what you're doing with Petrified is you're recreating that in a kind of in a smaller environment where people are 
being being built up into something. They're listening, and again, it's in their own head. What's going to happen yeah, next? Totally. Okay. Yeah, and and then even because something that I like about uh, the petrified thing is like um, you're literally talking into somebody's ear. Mm. You know, if there's headphones, like it's a voice in your ear, like kind of whispering this little story. And so something that petrified really, uh, thanks to the talent Celine who does like all the audio for it. Um, things that you can't do visually or on stage because it would cost a bloody fortune, you know, like um, how are you going to get a monster to eat nuns on stage? Can <laughs> be, but um, so, and also you're leaving the space for people to fill in themselves. So like, you know, a creepy voice will leave any pauses or something. So I'll even say to like, you know, Liam will give me a first draft and I'll go, give two seconds now. Like, uh, yeah. and just, and because that can make the world of a difference making people wait. But also the things that they're thinking are, always going to be scary yeah yeah so did you <coughs> did you do any training in in terms of writing for podcasts or or just take a lot of inspiration who do you take inspiration from um not training as such i did a lot of research for yeah. horror stuff like the i was funded by the arts council like a, a good while ago to kind of investigate fears and phobias uh, as a form of entertainment and that was really I actually tried to develop a phobia myself, but you can't do it in living. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> but uh, but that was really interesting. So um, finding out what make people what makes people tick, what are we afraid of? And I was speaking to child psychologists, and they were saying some very interesting stuff. So they're saying, where do your fears come from? So they said, I'll to paraphrase it, like they said, um, the three ways that you develop a fear is um, if you're bit by a dog. If your mom's bit by a dog or your mom tells you that dog is going to bite you. Okay. That's the three ways you develop a fear. And then um, the other thing that they said was really interesting was, that, uh, you know, you can, phobias kind of are usually uh, not attached to any kind of real life experience. So th one of the psychologists was saying that she has a deathly fear of snakes. She said she's never seen a snake in real life. She's only seen them on okay. the telly. Wow. But she said like two weeks before she talked to me, she'd uh, smashed a glass in her house and she'd cut herself so badly she needed eight stitches. But she said she's not afraid of glass. She's afraid yeah. of the snake that she's never met. Um, and the other thing was um, we would we, uh, we used to, as a people, kind of have very localized fears. So, you know, like because uh, uh, I was even saying how I was getting it from, I was going, you know, the way in different parts of Ireland, there might be a superstition in this county that we don't have in this county. Mm. Like but um, so she was saying that, uh, yeah, in certain countries, because of they'd be super religious, they'd have like the fear of the devil or the fear of God even. Or then, you know, in they'd have fear of a certain type of animal. But then she was going like, because of the Internet and because of the type of content we're consuming in film and stuff like that. Um, we're all kind of getting the same fears now because it's not localized anymore. We're all seeing oh, yeah. or consuming the same stuff. So fears are becoming more general than localized. Mass, mass yeah. fears. Um, so there was cool stuff like that. And then I even tried to uh, answer the question, like, do films warp you? You know what I mean? Do, mm. uh, like, don't even say that in screen. Do, like, does it make a murder or does it make a murder more creative or something? But um, so I wanted to see would I be warped by watching a load of films? So um, this is kind of a cool story, like just pure luck. So I did the psychopath test. And so uh, I was meeting this, um, uh, I was meeting this psychologist called Jenny. I'm drawing a blank on her second name, but she's lovely. 
Um, so she had had a kid and so she asked me could I come over to her house uh, to do the tests and for the meetings. And I said, of course. And so I went out to Clintarf and I was in her house and we were just kind of chatting away. And she, this was like kind of like late Octoberish, and she was going, oh, there's them kids down the end of the garden drawing the house again. And I'm like, what? what? I'm going, why are there kids drawing your house? And so she said, oh, this is Bram Stoker's house. <gasps> so she was, th- that was the house in Clontarf where he grew up and where he was actually like confined in the bed and stuff like that. And now everybody knows where she lives. <laughs> She's moved, <laughs> thank God. But, uh, but she even like brought me up to the bedroom where he was bed bound. Wow. Uh, but then don't ask me why. For some reason in the corner of the room, there was a two liter bottle of fake blood. <laughs> But anyway, so then I did the psychopath. Did you throw it at the kids to get rid of it? <laughs> Go away, stop drawing. <laughs> but then, um, so then I ended up doing like the psychopath test in the house where Bram Stoker grew up. But then, so I did the psychopath test and then I did the Horathon Festival in the IFR. So hang on, psychopath Sorry. test. What's involved? Yes. Is it just questions? Is questions. it behavior? Like, yeah, is it's, so it's, a, it's a, a, set of, it's a set of questions um, to gauge your reactions to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I did that. And Do you want to tell us your results? Well, this is, I won't tell oh, you yet. Oh, okay, okay. Because I on. did that. So she didn't tell me the results just mm-hmm. yet. And then I did the horathon in the iFi, which is, um, if you kind of go to see everything, it could, uh, I think it was working out. I'm not sure the exact figure, but it's something like 28 films or something, maybe hitting 30 over from the Friday to Full the Monday. Full-end films? Full-end films, because wow. you'd start in the morning and then, like, you know, cer- certain films you'd finish it. Like, you'd be getting out, like, near 1am and stuff like that. But you'd be fitting in loads, you know, mm. over the course of it. I think it was Thursday to Monday, but I'm not sure. It was a few years ago. And so then at the end of that, after watching that film, then I went back to her and I did the psychopath test again to see had I changed. Right. And so it uh, took her a few days to... K- yeah, uh, to get the results together but then she was saying what had actually happened was I had so a psychopath is somebody who has a lack of empathy mm-hmm. so they kind of instead of like um, they don't f- they're not rage filled it's more so that they feel nothing Yeah. and so what had happened was at the end of it uh, when I did the the psychopath test again I'd actually become angrier because I'm a real shusher in the pictures and so <laughs> having to tell people to be quiet 28 films kind of in a row kind of yeah. thing and so I was actually like kind of nearly sick of people. I was going, I never want to sit near another person again. And so I could even I could even tell by my own answers. I was going, oh, I think you're coming across a lot more annoyed or angrier with these ones. Mm. But she was going, um, that was actually a good thing because I was because I was feeling more. Right. And so my empathy levels had risen after watching all of these films. Wow. Um, so uh, now this is n- not quite technical terms, but like she was going, if you're on a scale of like kind of you know, one to a hundred where one year, uh, one year a brick and a hundred year a puddle kind of thing, you know, um, you'll always kind of score. Now, th- these aren't the technical terms. I'm just yeah. like using it as a way of describing it. But you should always kind of score like a little bit less than 50 because you should, in order to survive as a person, you have to be a little bit more selfish, mm. you know. Um, and so, but before I had, because um, I think I'm kind of a nice enough person, but even after my empathy levels had risen after, uh, you know, the weekend, yeah. she said I was still scoring far below the human norm. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I am. Like, Have you worked on that? <laughs> she was never seen again. So <laughs> never, but, uh, she but, moved. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> she moved six <laughs> feet under. But, um, but, but I thought that was interesting that, like, uh, you know, that was kind of answering the question, do films make you... Um, 
So they make you s- they can make you more sympathetic or they make you feel more. More empathetic and they make yeah. you feel more yeah. rather than they don't turn you into silly. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So you're do you do you feel like you have a like an interest or a fixation with phobias? Um it's more so how people deal with them or so or how you like where does it come from? So I have like um as Georgina will know, I have like kind of a weird egg phobia. Like mm-hmm. I have a thing about eggs. Um, and you have things about jars of buttons, don't you? Shh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just buttons that have holes in them that aren't attached to anything. Okay. If they're attached to things, it's fine. <laughs> if they're not attached to anything. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's fascinating. Like how did you develop like this fear of buttons? So it, the things that kind of freak people out can be so random. Um, I find it fascinating. So and did you discover where yours came from? Now, there's so I could be completely making it up. Like I, uh, I remember a thing that freaked me out about eggs, but mm. I don't know if that could be the basis for a whole phobia. So I remember when I was small, I had this book of Gulliver's Travels, and so the two islands in Gulliver's Travels they were fighting because one of them ate their eggs from the top, and one of them ate their eggs from the bottom. So like the hard-boiled eggs, and so there was this split-screen picture, and then one of the pictures was um, a battle. And a fella was getting a bald man was getting hit in the head with an axe, and then on the other uh, side of the split screen picture was like just an egg and an egg cup, and there was a spoon hitting the egg. But in the war picture, there was egg yolk coming out of the man's head, <laughs> and in the other picture, there was blood coming out of the egg? egg. Okay. And so I think that's a bit too neat for a reason why I have the phobia. But like, if I think it, if I think it, when I used to think of eggs, I would picture like bald men with yolk coming out. <laughs> But uh, but so I don't know if it's that, but that might be a very simple reasoning why. But like, but yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. Because yeah. you're 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 going to um, write a play for children about phobias. Is that right? Yes. So th- yeah, kind of in de- development on it at the moment. Um, so it was a thing of like you know when you were you know if you were kind of grown up even when I was small you didn't really talk about things that you were afraid of because you wanted mm. you didn't want to look weak or something or you'd be told like kind of snap out of it or stuff like that and so um an awful lot of kids wouldn't talk about things that they were frightened of and so as part of the uh, arts council research I did this thing where I interviewed children of different ages and it was quite a while ago but th- it was stuff like that that stuck with me um it wasn't like the thrust of the whole research but that was one segment of it that like really made an impact with me. So what I would do was I didn't I interviewed kids of lots of different ages, but like their their parent would be kind of present in the like kind of in the same room. But what I do is I'd like kind of get chatting with the kids, so they'd forget that their parent was there. So it'd be just like they and I were talking away, and so I'd say things like what are you what are you afraid of? What do you think your parents are afraid of and stuff like this? And so some of the stuff that they were saying, like you know, one. Uh, they all said that their parents were worried about money. Okay. Um, one little girl said um, that her mother's biggest fear was, um, oh, she said, my, my, I think my mother would be afraid that when me and my brother grow up, we'd have no time for her. Mm. And so the kids would be saying these things, and I would kind of be looking at the parents. Very and adult and the things. Yeah, and the parents would look stricken because they go, and they don't realize they didn't realize that the kids were soaking in yeah. all this stuff or didn't, um, you know what's that saying little pigs have big ears like you don't know how much they they're listening to yeah and so i found that kind of fascinating and then there was even stuff like when i was asking them what they're afraid of every single child said spiders but the thing is like i don't actually know if they were Mm. it was like 
they felt like they should say it. Yeah. You know, because everyone else says it. So um, so there was lots of stuff within that that I found really fascinating. So then I was going, how do you make a show for children that's about fears and phobias and give them a place to talk about it without kind of re-traumatizing them? Mm. Because you don't want to... You don't want to do a show about like things kids are frightened of, and then frighten the crap out Give of kids more because to yeah, so you you know you're cementing their phobia. <laughs> so that's that's another challenge as well, like that I'm enjoying working on. How can you make something that helps kids talk about what they're afraid of without re frightening them, but have it be a spooky show? Yeah, mm. and is there? I mean. You know, you haven't written it yet. We don't know what the <laughs> end is. Is it to just help them be comfortable with their fears or to um, understand? I, I've worked with people mm. on phobia cure mm. and the best way to cure phobia is to distance them from the phobia um, and to kind of make it, uh, you distract them. Distraction is the best. But you distance them from the phobia mm. um, through repeating it over and over again in their head. So how... Um, so is it the aim of the show to to make it playful and make it not so scary? Totally. And so the 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 way that we're doing it is like with lots of humor. So you know, like the uh, as much as this kind of creepy stuff, like um, the comedy, which is what the my the podcast that we do for kids spook FM is like. Like there's lots of gore and creepy stuff, but like there's a joke every minute or like every minute and a half or something. So like it's the kind of the way that we that I'm finding it so far is like when you're combining something that's kind of scary, but then you're making kids laugh at the same time. Mm. It's making a connection between yeah. this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. So that's where we're. That's what I'm finding so far working on it. But, um, not to use an an egg analogy, I haven't cracked <laughs> it yet. But um. But I'm enjoying the challenge. And so you mentioned uh, the Bram Stoker Festival a couple of times. Are you working on anything for this year's festival? Yeah, so very, very lucky to be working with uh, Dacre Stoker, who is um, a family member of Bram Stoker. And so it's a show called Stoker on Stoker. And so um, it will be talking about like kind of the history of, well, the, the book itself and then like the impact it's had on modern culture um uh, about Bram himself and stuff like that and then interspersed with that there's like kind of maybe five or six uh, theatrical pieces so um I'll be kind of directing the theatrical pieces and stuff like that so yeah it's a uh, yeah that's very exciting so we've we've kind of started working on that so it's very fun and a nice thing to So do. who if you could meet anyone from the past who would be who would you want to meet who's the scariest or spookiest or most horrific person you would like to meet? Well, the person I'd like to meet the most in the whole world is Nicole Kidman, but we won't get into <laughs> that because it's nothing to do with this. But, uh, um, hmm. That's a good one. I don't know, because there's stuff like, you know, well, it's another question about, like, you know, separating the art from the artist, because, like, my favourite film, the director was Alfred Hitchcock, but he was mm-hmm. supposed to be a terrible person. Yeah. And so, would I like to meet Alfred Hitchcock? Probably not, but I think he's a genius. Mm. So like there's, um, and then even I love, the, there's this cartoonist illustrator called Edward Gorey. And he did like a, oh, y- you have to, if you haven't looked him up, he's, he's been a big influence on everyone from like Tim Burton. And he even like won a Tony Award for designing um, the set for a stage version of Dracula uh, that mm. went on in Broadway. But, um, but he was 
very eccentric and like kind of wasn't big into people. So I don't think he'd enjoy meeting me if I <laughs> dragged him from the past and brought him back to life. So, um, but then as well, I kind of, the, the people that, I suppose Stephen King, he seems like a lovely man, but like the, there's a, a lovely thing as well where like, maybe it's nicer not to meet you meet these creepy idols and so you'll give like them a little bit of extra like writing it's better in your head than yeah, 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 meeting yeah. them in person yeah. and so you've you've mentioned a few people there that you take inspiration from so who are the big influencers in your life uh see well after Hitchcock for sure um and then it, it can be separate pieces it's like i don't know if it would be as much people as things yeah so there's a an, an old film with deborah Kerr called the innocent um about a governess who takes care of two kids and then she starts to believe that the kids are possessed um, by the spirits of the previous governess and um, uh, which like a guy that worked in the house and so that's insanely creepy but once again it never kind of really kicks off into violence and there's always like kind of questions about is it real is is she just going a bit loopy or is this something that's really happening and I love that kind of like having the question mark over then other stuff like Rosemary's Baby, I think, is a flawless film. Um, I find that the things that influenced me would have been stuff that I watched when I was really young, but also stuff that would probably wouldn't have, because, you know, you probably wouldn't get many six or seven-year-olds that would watch a 1950s horror film or stuff mm -hmm. like that. You know, Like even, you're saying, I'm wearing the Birds t-shirt, like um, uh, my favourite possible film is Marnie by Abbott Hitchcock with Tippi mm -hmm. Hedren, but I saw that when I was like, think seven or something it's about like a kleptomaniac who has um psychosexual issues <laughs> so but like i was watching that when i was a kid and just and i remember like even the, uh, you know the neighbors would be saying to me mom or me nana now like oh tell peter marnie's on or <laughs> so uh, so stuff like that that like you know um it's just i'm uh, which is very a uh, roundabout way of saying I'm influenced by stuff that's outside of my time that would have happened before me or something okay. like that. Yeah. Excellent. And so as we are in the month of horror, what are your plans for this Halloween and uh, October? Well, well, I'm actually going away to uh, L.A. in a couple of days to do all the kind of because, you know, as much as Irish people own Halloween, mm -hmm. like sometimes, you know, nobody kind of goes goes all out quite like America. Yeah. So I've never had the opportunity to do like a big American Halloween um, with, you know, things like the Universal Hollywood Halloween Horror Nights or something like that. Like uh, last year I went to, excuse me, <laughs> last year I went to Salem and Sleepy Hollow, mm. stuff like that. So I kind of did like all the nice kind of spooky things and I want the full Halloween experience. And um, when you were there, it was still kind of lockdown, is that right? It was literally, uh, it, I think America had opened up for flights like two days before I went over. So it was like kind of just the start of November. So they'd unfortunately cleaned up a lot of the Halloween stuff. Aww. But yeah, but Salem still had lots of creepy stuff. But um, uh, so I kind of just missed all the full pit of madness that I wanted it. So, so you're off to um, L.A. to do a horror adventure there yeah and just lash myself out of it with as much horror as i possibly can um like yeah made loads of plans to do different stuff um and then when i come back we'll start working on bram properly uh, uh the bram sorry we'll start working on stoker and stoker properly and then yeah still kind of chugging like the i feel very 
and we'll still be kind of like doing little bits and pieces on the post-production patch file but like yeah it's just I feel very grateful that I kind of get to spend my life trying to frighten myself and other people and that's (laughs) kind of become a career they obviously enjoy it too I mean (laughs) you have a a huge following on Petrified isn't that right you've got a big international following as well yeah and it's lovely the um it's lovely to hear like things from different people in different countries because you know when you when you do things like radio or podcasts or stuff like that Sometimes you finish it and then you just send it off into the ether and you don't know if people yeah. like it or not. Like unlike theatre where you you'll know pretty mm-hmm. quickly if somebody's <laughs> enjoying the show. But like um so it's lovely to get little comments or hearing things back from people to know um that they're f- feeling it. Like even yeah. um uh even funny stuff, you, you know, we get like uh m- my brother even left me a, a little voice note there a while ago, uh saying that He'd had to turn off an episode of Petrified because it was wow. frightening the child out of him. And oh he's really? like a 30 year old personal trainer. so <laughs> And grew up with you. <laughs> yeah, he should know better. But um, so it's nice to hear, it's nice to hear back from people. You know, it can, it, it, sometimes being a writer, I'm lucky enough that with Petrified, y- because I directed as well and I'm, I'm there in the room and it's recorded, like it very much feels like, you know, it's, it's their Petrified family. But sometimes, you know, as a writer, it can be very solitary. You're writing yeah. your stuff and you're just handing it away and it's hard to know during the process is it good is it mm. bad i don't know anymore so it's lovely getting like little messages from fans and stuff like that and i won't give it away but um there's a particular episode coming up that is a love letter to the fans that's going to be in the new series oh nice i think you might know about that i think you might be making an appearance in oh, hello <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we let you know yeah and very importantly do you have a costume ready for this halloween do you know what you're dressing up as? Not yet, but I always kind of tie myself up in knots because I try and be very conceptual. So last year I was, it's a bit of a mess. No, it, it, it looked good, but like kind <laughs> of it's very convoluted. It was um the thing pretending to be your child's imaginary friend. So it was like okay. a, a monster pretending to be an imaginary friend to fool your kid, which sounds very convoluted. And then before, like I would have dressed up as the death of black and white film. Yeah. So I was like a, a 1920s uh, director with like the megaphone stuff like that, all in black and white. But then like I had wounds and wherever I was injured, there was coloured wow. colours pouring out. So like I was being killed. Very visual. Colour. Yeah. So so th- it can be. Yeah. It's never just like um, a cowboy. <laughs> you know. Scary cowboy. <laughs> scary nurse. <laughs> yeah. Sexy scary nurse. <laughs> so at the beginning, like you mentioned like that um, in school that teachers might have taught you were a weirdo. But like as you're finding through your work, you, there's actually such a big community of people who identify and connect and and like connect through horror and connect through scare and stuff like that. Totally. And I, th- I do kind of think that sometimes the most rabid uh type of fan it or genre of fan would be the fans of horror you mm. know um they're like they're they're kind of hungry for stuff all the time like it's it's that kind of thing where like uh, uh i think the only kind of sad thing especially as a horror fan but like definitely with our creative like sometimes all of the stuff we do gets pushed into one month like it's all everything yeah. is jammed into october but like there's always like there's there's a hunger for it throughout the year like i i interviewed um before uh, Jeremy Dyson, who's one of the legal gentlemen, but he also wrote the show Ghost Stories that was on the West End, which was a huge hit. But he was saying um, even the Ghost Stories, they opened that in like June or July and there was an instant mm. smash. So, you know, th- th- so, um, but 
Yeah, and horror fans can also, I kind of think that they can be very loyal to something. And and I like to think it's not kind of like a closed book. Like I think sometimes with um, possibly like science fiction or fantasy fans, okay, I'm probably getting myself in trouble here, (laughs) but they can be very like uber protective of something. And like if somebody tries to inject something new into the way that's happening now with Lord of the Rings, they're like, no, that's not how that works. But like um, I don't think horror fans are the same i think we're in a weird way i think like kind of horror fans are possibly quieter in a way or like they're more shy and stuff like that maybe it is like an outlet for for stuff mm. yeah so if you can recommend one film and one book okay. for people this october what would that be well the innocence has okay. to be here there, there's no or, uh, and if you're not going to and if you well, i was gonna say if you're not going to do that <laughs> but if you're not going to do that no, but if you <laughs> if if you don't watch the instance watch the haunting they're like two absolute gems and then for books mm, i don't want to do like the obvious one like the the shining is actually very it's a brilliant book like it's Mm. far better than the film i did stephen king didn't even like the film the the shining but uh but like that was one of the ones that made me jump um one of the two um and otherwise there's did i read it in recently that was great um there's a nice one called Dark Matter by Michelle Paver. I'll spell her name so I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. P-A-V-E-R. And it's about a man in a kind of Arctic research, sa- research station before like the 30 days of night begins. But just as the 30 days of night begins, he realises that the place he's staying is haunted. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So upcoming, we have uh, Petrified. Yep. Is that out now? The no, so that's going to be the new series will be like November. We're hoping kind of November, December. Um, but also we're planning something very interesting for the launch. So that's okay. And that's uh, so. Where can you find the podcast? Uh, what do they say? Anywhere where you listen to your, <laughs> I was going to say to <laughs> your good podcast. To, to rap yeah. <laughs> so we've got petrified. You've got Stoker and Stoker as part of the Bram Stoker mm-hmm. Festival. You're working on a children's play mm-hmm. about phobias. Anything yes. else do you want to let us know about? Eh, what's there? No, then uh, then sort of like kind of little stuff that's bubbling away. But like you know, it's probably such early stages of development and certain things that like uh, could be jumping the gun. You know, you don't want to tell people mm-hmm. you're working on this and then there's a smell for two years and yeah. like well get questioned about yeah. it. <laughs> well, um, happy Halloween. Enjoy your time in LA and we look forward to being scared by you in the future. And I look forward to scaring you in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks very much. Thank you.